European Hearts Journal issue at a glance. Volume 39, issue 12. Focus issue on grown-up congenital heart disease by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Outcome of congenital heart disease with modern cardiac care. Adults with congenital heart disease are a growing minority due to the impressive progress in the management of these complex conditions. Thanks to advances in surgical techniques and catheter-based interventions, many children with congenital heart disease live into adulthood and indeed enjoy an increasing lifespan, but remain at risk for different complications. However, the current increased lifespan as such is proof that many therapeutic interventions are effective, although evidence from randomized trials is largely lacking. Only a few therapeutic measures have actually been tested in randomized controlled trials. Rachel Cordina and colleagues from the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Camperdown, New South Wales, Australia, based their analysis on the available evidence to discuss management errors in adults with congenital heart disease, prevalence, sources and consequences. The authors stress the fact that international guidelines recommend specialised care in such patients. Of 309 patients, 43% were referred by general cardiologists, among them 19% with highly complex lesions and 37% from paediatric or of adult specialists in congenital heart disease, of which 33% had highly complex lesions, while 20% were from other medical teams. Guideline deviations were more common in referrals from general compared to specialised cardiologists. Of general cardiology referrals, 37% were non-adherent, of which a third had catastrophic or major complications. By contrast, only 10% of the referrals from paediatric or adult congenital heart specialists were non-adherent. Patients were at increased risk of adverse outcome when not under specialised care. Thus, non-adherence with guidelines is common in the care of adults with congenital heart disease and this frequently results in adverse clinical consequences. The practical implications of these results are further discussed in an editorial by Helmut Baumgartner from the University Hospital Münster in Germany. Atrial septal defects are among the most common congenital heart defects. Although the lesion can be closed today with interventional or surgical techniques, timing and indication for such procedures to prevent pulmonary hypertension, right heart failure and premature death is still debated. Camilla Naiboe and colleagues from the Aarhus University Hospital in Denmark address this issue in their paper Long-Term Mortality in Patients with Atrial Septal Defect, a Nationwide Cohort Study. They included Danish individuals born before 1994 with an atrial septal defect followed up for a median of 18 years. Such patients had a higher mortality, with a hazard ratio of 1.7, compared with the general population. The hazard ratio 30 days after closure was 1.4, but 2.4 for patients without closure. 
Thus, overall atrial septal defect patients have a higher long-term mortality than the general population, with a lower relative mortality of those undergoing closure of the defect. These important findings are put into clinical context in an editorial by David S. Kellermeyer from the University of Sydney in Camperdown, Australia. Scimitar syndrome is a rare congenital lesion characterized by anomalous venous drainage of part or the entire right lung to the inferior vena cava, variable right lung hypoplasia, and variable systemic blood supply to part of the right lung. Treatment decisions in such patients are challenging, especially in those with an isolated form who are often asymptomatic. Thus, in their paper, The Natural History and Surgical Outcome of Patients with Simisa Syndrome, a multicenter European study, Vladimiro Vida and colleagues from the Universita degli Studi di Padova in Italy queried a large multi-institutional registry of 485 scimitar patients to evaluate the natural history and efficacy of surgical treatment. Of those, 57% were treated surgically and 43% clinically monitored. Overall, survival probability at 30 years of age was 88% and was lower in those with associated congenital heart disease or pulmonary hypertension. Two-thirds were asymptomatic at last follow-up, particularly those treated surgically compared to monitored patients, 73% versus 47%, with fewer cardiac and respiratory symptoms. However, 25% of the patients treated surgically had stenosis or occlusion of the drainage, particularly those of younger age at surgery. Thus, Patients with Simitar syndrome have a high overall survival, particularly those without associated congenital heart disease or pulmonary hypertension. Surgical treatment of Simitar syndrome is beneficial in reducing symptoms, however, given the significant risk of postoperative Simitar drainage stenosis or occlusion, it should be tailored to a comprehensive hemodynamic evaluation and to the patient's age. These findings are complemented in an editorial by Gary D. Webb and Alexander Opotovsky from the Boston Children's and Brigham and Women's Hospitals in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Congenital heart defects affect almost 1% of all live-born children and the number of adults with congenital heart defects is increasing. In families with congenital heart defects, estimates of recurrence risk and the type of recurring malformation are important, but the recurrence patterns are poorly understood. In their manuscript, Familial Co-Occurrence of Congenital Heart Defects Follows Distinct Patterns, Lars Allen Larsen and colleagues from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark investigated the co-occurrences of congenital heart defects in 1,163 families with known malformations, comprising 3,080 individuals with confirmed diagnosis. By calculating odds ratios for each of the 1,640 pairs of discordant lesions observed between affected family members, 
they were able to identify 178 pairs of malformations that co-occurred more or less often than expected in families. The data show that distinct groups of cardiac malformations co-occur in families, suggesting influence from underlying developmental mechanisms. Analysis of human and mouse susceptibility genes showed that they were shared in 19 and 20% of pairs of co-occurring discordant malformations, respectively, but none of the malformations that rarely co-occur, suggesting that a significant proportion of co-occurring lesions in families is caused by overlapping susceptibility genes. Thus, familial congenital heart defects follow specific patterns of recurrence suggesting a strong influence of genetically regulated developmental mechanisms due to shared susceptibility genes. These results are critically discussed in an editorial by Herbert Schunkert from the Deutsche Herzzentrum Munich in Germany. Remote ischemic preconditioning by inducing brief ischemia in distant tissues may protect the heart against myocardial ischemia reperfusion injury during infarction and open heart surgery. The effectiveness of this procedure in children with tetralogy of fallow are unclear. In a final research article, Cardiac Protective Effects of Remote Ischemic Preconditioning in Children Undergoing Tetralogy of Fallow Repair Surgery, a randomized controlled trial, Sheng Yuan Jia and colleagues from the University of Hong Kong in China tested the effectiveness of three cycles of five-minute lower limb occlusion and five-minute reperfusion using a cuff inflator in 112 tetralogy of fallow children undergoing corrective surgery. 55 children were randomized to preconditioning and 57 to the control group. Post-operative ventilation time and length of stay in the intensive care unit was longer in controls than in the preconditioning group. The levels of troponin T at 12 and 18 hours post-operatively, CKMB at 24 hours, as well as the serum HFABP levels at 6 hours after surgery were lower, while protein expression of cardiac HIF1-alpha, PAKT, PSTAT3 and PSTAT5 and PENOS in myocardial tissue was higher and vacuolization of mitochondria lower in the preconditioning group. Thus, in tetralogy of fallow children undergoing open heart surgery, remote ischemic preconditioning attenuates myocardial ischemia reperfusion injury and improves the short-term prognosis. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.